This presentation is from Design Research 2021, Day 2. So our, our next uh, presenters are Alana and Serena. They'll be joining us momentarily. Uh, this, this next presentation will look at how we conduct uh, research with physical prototypes um, during a period of a pandemic um, and all of the issues associated with that. Alana, thanks for joining. Serena, it can't... there you are. Hello. I will, I will hand over to you. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Just going to see if I can put that in slideshow mode. There we go. Hey, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to our presentation, Gloves in the Time of Corona, Guerrilla Testing During a Pandemic. Uh, my name is Alana Wade. I've been working as a user researcher for six years in both government and private uh, consulting companies. And I've got to work on some really interesting projects along the way, including uh, a lot of usability testing using eye tracking technology. Uh, in my spare time, I help rescue and rehome um, X-Racing Greyhounds. And I visit a nursing home with my Delta therapy dog, Tiffany, who's the Greyhound on the right. And I'm Serena Lai. Much like Alana, I've also been working as a user researcher for about six years in both the private sector and in government. So far, I've been very lucky in my career in that I've had the privilege of working in different countries, including Japan, the UK, and now Australia. Uh, my hobbies before the pandemic hit was traveling around the world. Nowadays, it's been replaced by watching food programs on Netflix and then going on the occasional weekend hike to walk off those calories. Nice to meet you all. So we're going to share a very 2020 story that happened to us uh, in May last year. And our session is broken into two parts. So we've got part one, which was the mission and the problem that we needed to overcome. And part two was the process that we took to get there. So what was our mission? In a nutshell, it was to conduct face-to-face -face usability testing during a pandemic when advice everywhere said, don't go near people. So at the start of May, our boss came to us with a research challenge. She said, we need to test some facial recognition software in one week, and it has to be on a government device. And Alana and my first thoughts were, no problem, let's start recruiting people ASAP. And as any user researcher will tell you, getting the right participants takes time. And since we only had five days, we thought we'd jump on that screen the first thing. But as soon as we started to plan out our participant criteria, we quickly hit our first roadblocks. For example, how do we be inclusive and not, dis not come across as being discriminatory? discriminatory when we know we will need a culturally diverse group of people who also had different skin tones and different facial features? And how do we incentivize people to travel all the way to our office just for a five-minute in-person usability test? We didn't want to come across as wasting their time or being rude. And the last thing was for the facial recognition software products we had to test, how do we ensure that both of them would work in the real world and not just within a lab type environment? So after thinking about all of this a bit more, it soon became obvious that traditional face-to-face -face sessions weren't going to give us the type of results we needed. 
So instead, we decided that the solution to our problem was guerrilla testing. And for anyone who may not have heard of guerrilla testing before, it's a method of research where you take a prototype uh, to a public forum and get people's thoughts and feedbacks. It's quick, uh, it's cheap to run, um, as it usually involves catching people as they go about their day-to-day -day business and asking them if they have time to participate in a quick usability test. Uh, but while this guerrilla research uh, solution made sense to us, would it make sense to our executives? We knew that we had a few challenges to navigate to make this work. We needed to get sign-off from our exec. We needed to get sign-off from another government agency that we were working with. Uh, we also needed to make sure that people felt comfortable and safe uh, participating in this type of research to make this even remotely worthwhile for us. So how did we get our executive support? Well, we came up with a COVID safety plan and we decided to do the research on public land. So that saved us some time in going through approval processes for using private property. Uh, and how did we decide to overcome people talking trust during a pandemic? Well, we thought the best way to do that is by having really, really obvious personal protective equipment on hand and available. And how do we get enough people and a really good mix of demographics? We thought the best way to overcome that one was to ensure a range of locations uh, to ensure a demographic mix. So we looked at uh, the demographic data for the suburbs of Canberra and decided to, to pick different suburbs based on those. And then how do we engage with people and observe these sessions while we social distance? Well, we had to practice uh, observing research from a distance. So after having our mitigation plans in place and all of our approvals sorted, we started to flesh out how this research would actually work. We allocated two days to infield research and we started preparing what we needed. We downloaded the two facial recognition products that we were testing onto both Android and Apple phones. And we got our COVID safety pack ready. We printed our consent forms and we worked out exactly which locations we were going to go to for our guerrilla testing. So how did we finish research and get findings in just five days? Well, we've briefly covered what happened two days before testing. This was when our boss first came to us with the research problem and we quickly reached the conclusion that guerrilla testing was our best option to complete the face-to-face -face research on government device on, in one week. So let's have a look at what happened in the remaining days. One day before research, we prepared ourselves by um, getting familiar with the two facial recognition products that we needed to gorilla test. We made sure that we were both comfortable using an Android and Apple phone. And um, this was important because the way we would go go about our testing was to actually offer the participants uh, a choice of device so that they could choose which one they were most familiar with using. And so both Alana and I had to know how to troubleshoot the app and reset it um, in case the participant themselves had any, di any difficulty using it. And after testing and making sure that we ourselves were familiar with 
these two products. We also packed, um, started packing the things we needed. So we packed a backup Android and iPhone. So we had four devices on us. And we also took extra charges and battery banks. We packed our name tags and our government lanyards, which we hoped would give us visibility as to who we were and what we were about. We then prepared things like our consent forms, our observation sheets, and then also went out to buy things like hand sanitizer, bacterial wipes, gloves, and also incentive lollipops. On this same day of prepping, we also did a dry run just to make sure we were both comfortable with how the session would flow. We switched places being the moderator and note taker and also practiced timing the usability test as well as recording whether facial recognition was successfully completed or not. We worked out how and where we should position ourselves so we could see what was happening while observing from 1.5 metres away. Another thing that the dry run really helped us figure out was which type of gloves worked best on the mobile screens that we had. So after doing all our prep, uh, what was our first day of research like? Armed with hand sanitizer, gloves, clipboards, name tags, and lots of enthusiasm, we hit the streets. Day one saw us outside a big shopping centre. We thought the place that we chose was absolutely perfect. Uh, we thought we could catch people as they went about their day-to-day -day business. And there were lots of outdoor cafes and restaurants with outdoor seating. Our thinking was lots of high foot traffic area. And we bravely approached anyone who was free. And we got no, 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 no thanks, not interested. We got people pretending to make phone calls. We got people that would just happen to see something really interesting on the other side of where we were standing. And we were finding that the lack of visibility of who we were and what we were about was actually blocking us from engaging with people. We only got three participants, but we did find our very first insight. One of the apps did not work outside on a sunny day, even in full shade. So tired, a bit deflated, and knowing that we needed a better plan for day two, we headed back to the office. So after reflecting on day one, on day two, instead of staying in one location, we mixed up where we went to get a better mix of demographics. And changing where we went also let us get a mix of weather conditions. And this enabled us to see whether we would encounter the same error that we had on the first day with the sun and the shade. We visited not only the areas that were outside big shopping centers, but we also went to local community areas that were surrounded by cafes and also small local shops like an IGA. Uh, we also took a DTA banner with us and got our DTA comms team to help with a social media campaign. So what we did was we got them to come with us in, in the morning so that they could take a picture of us and what we were doing and then to send out a message to say, hey, we're testing in these places. If you're interested, please do come along. Uh, what we also did was we uh, we put our hand sanitizer, our bacterial wipes, our gloves and lollipops in plain sight in front of our banner. Uh, 
And this turned out to be much better than the first day uh, because what happened on the first day was that Alana and myself were both running around with backpacks and one of us would be holding the two test devices and the consent forms or the observation sheet while the other person would be holding the hand sanitizer, bacterial wipes, gloves and lollipops. So the fact, the fact that we were both able to just stand in front of the banner and let people come to us on the second day was really great. So compared to day one, how did we fare? Well, our DTA banner effectively helped evoke people's curiosity. This got people to approach us themselves and to ask us questions as to who we were and what we were doing. And after learning about what we were doing, they were really happy to help. They were reassured that we were taking COVID safety seriously. So they could see, for example, that we were properly social distancing and that we were both wearing gloves and offering hand sanitizer, as well as wiping down any pens and devices before we offered them things like the consent forms or the test phones to actually use. And while we went about our usability tests with our first few participants, a lot of onlookers became super curious. In fact, in one particular place that we visited, we got so much interest that people started lining up to have a go as they were waiting for their morning coffee. Alana and I actually had to split up instead of working as a pair to get through everyone. So it was a great thing that we bought, brought extra phones with us. After our two days of guerrilla testing, our remaining day was then spent back in the office, synthesizing and analyzing what we observed. We also used that day to prepare our findings and to share those with our boss and our stakeholders. So what were our results? Well, we got insights that only in-field research would have given us. Uh, for example, the app that did not work outside but was absolutely fine inside. Uh, we got great community engagement in the most unexpected places. Uh, we found that the small local shops with a cafe, IGA and a couple of other stores were just an absolute goldmine for a community engagement. And we found that people were delighted that representatives from the government were in their community and were happy to take part in the test and provide feedback. We got a better mix of demographics than we could have hoped for. And we had really good uh, representation to confidently report our findings. We had short hair, long hair, no hair, fringes, beards, moustaches, glasses, and different skin tones. And we got 14 participants in total, which was the perfect breakdown of seven on each product and seven on each device type, which was absolutely an amazing result for testing during a pandemic. And then in terms of lessons learned, um, after our two-day guerrilla testing adventures, we learned that having visibility of purpose was important. And um, this was important because it let people know that we weren't fundraisers or salespeople trying to sell them things that they don't need or want. So having our DTA banner with us and getting our comms team to help with a social media campaign definitely helped to support what we were doing. We also learned that high traffic areas aren't necessarily the best places to get people to engage. Instead, if we varied our location and where we went, this was what gave us the really good mix of demographics. And we also learned that 
varying where we went also gave us different weather conditions. And so we could check if the app worked in sunny weather or cloudy, we cloudy weather. And as to which areas worked best for us, we found that the small local shops with cafes were much better for engagement than the areas outside the bigger shopping centres. Another thing we learned was to try not to fit too many locations in one day. On our second day, what we did was we visited five different areas and we spent about 30 to 40 minutes in each location and we allocated 20 minutes to travel to the next spot. In hindsight, however, having three locations would have been perfect because there was one, again, that one particular place we wanted to stay longer, but uh, we couldn't because we had already um, got our comms team to help with the social media campaign to say we'll be in these places during these certain time slots. Time slots sorry. Uh, we learnt that making people feel safe was absolutely key. By providing them options of gloves and very evidently using hand sanitizer and wipes went a long way. That said, uh, we did find that not many participants at all actually wanted to use gloves and most of them were quite happy just with the hand sanitizer. But many said that they appreciated that we'd gone to the effort of offering. Uh, we learnt that some gloves work better on devices than others. Uh, so if it ever comes up and you do need to, to go down this path, uh, we can tell you hand on heart that multi-purpose latex um, powder-free gloves work an absolute treat on phone screens. We learned that the incentives that we planned uh, were unnecessary, but also unwanted. The biggest incentive for people was to be involved and to leave our little test feeling heard and validated. So what were our biggest takeaways about guerrilla testing during a pandemic? Well, guerrilla testing is really uncomfortable. Uh, you have to not take rejection personally and you get a lot of rejection. Uh, we found that having a prepared line about who we were and what we were doing uh, went a long way if, if anyone did have any issue with us being out in public. Thankfully, we only had to use it once. Uh, we learnt that even with all the noise, it was well worth the effort to get the results that we did. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alana. Thanks, Serena. Um, no worries. One one quick question from Lorraine, which is whether or not you encountered any concerns from people about the government uh, and facial recognition. Um, did that come up at all? Um, not so much, but what did come up, and it's something that we kind of had to work through our planning, is when we first uh, got given this challenge, uh, it was everyone's understanding that the actual test devices wouldn't be storing uh, photo images from the tests. Um, and then we actually found out, uh, I think, the morning before we were about to head out that that actually wasn't the case and they would be storing people's photos in a database. Um, and so we had to change all of our consent forms to be really explicit that that was the case. Um, and we did find that some people would come and talk to us and express interest in being involved. Uh, but when they saw that, they they politely declined, which was, um, of course, fine. Um, 
And I think with uh, these particular software, it's not a compulsory part um, of the, the digital identity process to provide your face and go through that facial recognition process as well. So there was no kind of um, forced uh, path for people. That's great. That's wonderful. Look, thank you both so much for sharing that insight. Um, it, I'm, I'm glad that it went well um, under quite challenging circumstances. Thank you for sharing it with us.